This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It was a 3-1 win at the Emirates midweek that got City out of the woods, but we walked straight into a forest instead, where it was the aptly named Chris Wood, role-playing as Robin Hood, that stole from the oil rich and gave a point to the free-spending poor of Nottingham Forest. It's Monday 20th of February. I'm your host for today, Ollie Kirsch. I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. So, Ollie, I think the script writes itself really for today's pod. Uh, we've got a lot to chat about and it's all about the 90 minutes uh, not not too much really to cover about the the preceding events we've covered those with the uh, Arsenal review episodes so where do we start you know we we looked like it was going to be an all-timer dominant performance I think coming out the first 15 minutes we had 90 odd percent possession what happened mate yeah, I mean, it was really weird. I think all, uh, Twitter blew up for the first 10 minutes saying, what a great start this is. You know, the energy was there. Everyone was buzzing with the team. You know, Phil Foden starting for the first time in what feels like a really long time. Um, and on the right wing, which is somewhere we haven't seen him for a while and we, everyone's wanted to see him, started brilliantly. A couple of, couple of, you know, breaks on the counter, a couple of, chance, couple of half chances. And it just began to fade and fade and fade throughout that first half. And even after... You know, Bernardo's quite brilliant goal. You know, just it never picked up. Um, you know, City looked scrappy. They, you could tell they were getting frustrated. The more chances they missed, they just got more and more frustrated. And, you know, Guardiola didn't react when they substitute. I think he thought is the team out there is good enough to win. And obviously with midweek, with a midweek game against Leipzig, first midweek game um, with the champ, uh, first mid, midweek Champions League game in a while. So, you know, it's, it throws the schedule into a mess. But 
just not just not a good just not a good result and I thought and it takes down the performance you know we we all can say how great the performance was but you know when Guardiola just kind of picks his team and just goes right you're on your own kid and you know leaves them to it and then they produce finishing like that it just makes everyone watching annoyed doesn't it really yeah and of course Twitter is its usual cesspit after a bad City result which is to be expected but I do like filtering through and picking out some of the better takes and one that resonated with me where Guardiola's concerned was saying that Pep actually coached a 5-0 win would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah oh 100% he, he, you look at how the team performed yesterday um, yeah on Saturday and they performed brilliantly. You know, it was right up until they got in the box. It was right. It was just that final movement where that is the bit that Pep can't coach. Pep can't teach it, like fully coach a striker how to finish or a midfielder how to, how to score this goal. He can set them up in positions to get them in positions to score, but he can't do that last bit for them. I'm sure if he could, he would, but he can't. He's he's not he's not he's not a magic man. You yeah, know, he's this, still, this is he's it. Still, just a football manager. He coached. He coached a brilliant performance yesterday, and the players didn't respond when they needed to in the final bit of the pitch. Yeah, and th- this is something that Pep says when we do play badly and when results don't go our way. Every now and then, he will come out and he will say, "Listen, this was my fault. You know, um, the, it was my tactics. It was this and that." But it clearly wasn't the case. And even Bernardo's goal was that was a goal out of nowhere, right? It was. It was a great effort, twenty odd yards. It was the simple finishing that we didn't do. And this is really out of kilter for City. Uh, I mean, looking at the XG tables on understat at the moment, we have a total XG across the season, Premier League season, of 54.6 goals. We've scored 60. So we are around five, well, 5.4 goals over our XG. So it was really out of character for City. I mean, the Haaland two missed chances from six yards or something come to mind, which, I mean, my, my head is blown about that one. Foden obviously doing his best Sterling impression. Laporte heading one straight at the keeper. I think it was four or five very clear-cut chances. And the goal that we scored wasn't such a clear-cut chance. Although it was nice to see Bernardo back on the score sheet. I think it was 28 appearances since he'd, uh, since he'd last scored for us. So outside of the finishing then, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what were the positives? Well, I think I think there is a lot. There are positives to take from it. You know, the energy that we've seen since the Aston Villa game um, last week, uh, the weekend previous. You know, there's been a rise in energy, and you know, me, Adam, and Amos were on this podcast saying that's what we want to see in that game. We want to see a bit more intent. We want to see the energy. We want to see the intensity that City are famous for, and we've had that over the last three games. And you know, after. Um, Wednesday night against Arsenal you're thinking right here we go this is where they're going to come in and this is where and we've been saying it for a while but this is where the run will start this is where the big long extended winning streak that kind of defines every season that City have won the title really under Pep and you know and the and it was there the that intensity was there you know Phil Foden coming back into the side and as we said he's just a, he's a great he's a popular move with the fans um, it kind of clears up the team and it's played in a slightly different way. Um, instead of the kind of more slower control build up with Grealish and Mahrez, it's, you know, you're letting Phil Foden, who was running around like like he had a firework up his ass. You know, it was just non-stop for the first 20, 30 minutes. And it, and it just, it, and then that drop-off came. But, you know, if we're looking at the positives, there, there are some to say, you know, I can't, you know, in these recent weeks and months, when have City created so many chances? 
you know, there was a great stat um, that after I think it I think it was the Villa game or it might have been the Arsenal game that it was the first time City had created more than three xG since Leeds in December, um, and you know, yesterday it was two point seven eight. You know, so there's enough there's enough there for them to you know have had a really good result. It's just as we keep coming back to the finishing wasn't there, but you know, apart yeah. if you, if we can exclude that, if we genuinely can you know try and find the positives. I think this is a city side that are being more consistent in their performances and their energy, which is very important coming into this part of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the the hardest stuff to rectify for me is everything but the finishing. Right, the core issues that we've had this season in our build-up play. And listen, I don't want to be a happy clapper here. The result was shite. There's no two ways about it. The result wasn't good enough, but. The stuff that is harder to rectify, especially for a team like City that relies so much on having a well-oiled, well-drilled system, that was all there yesterday. From back to front, I mean, having Ruben Diaz back is an absolute delight. I want to mention him specifically as well as another one of the positives uh, from from the game. Same with Jack Grealish. Again, certain players have come back into the fold or maintain the form in Grealish's case from the World Cup. They've been incredibly consistent. And we looked like a fluid, dominant football team again. Yes, I know it was only against Forest, but regardless, we looked great. The finishing itself, for me, I mean, Harlem missing chances like those, that's a freak occurrence, right? Phil Foden, maybe it's down to a bit of rust. I don't want to make excuses for them because it was really bad. But when we're looking forward to the remaining 14 games, if we're seeing what are our issues at the moment, if finishing is the main issue based on the last game, I'm not going to be too concerned. So looking forward to the rest of the season, based on what we've just seen this week, a not-so-great performance against Arsenal that turned up a 3-1 win and an incredibly dominant performance against Forest, where we just basically shot ourselves in the foot. How do you see it panning out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's predicting City is just it's mind-boggling because, as you just said, you know, we've <laughs> We played not very well on on Wednesday and got a three one win, and then we and then we turn up at the City Ground in Nottingham and you know absolutely play them off the park and we go home unhappy with just the one point. Um, but I think you know because it seems like things are starting to click and whether and whether Guardiola continues with this system of you know Bernardo being the kind of nominal left back but he's actually playing inside as a mid, more of as a midfielder you know kind of what we were doing with Rico Lewis but on the other side and with an actual midfielder so it's not a right back playing out of position it's a midfielder playing out of position when he's having to defend um it, I think it does work against certain teams and against teams like Forest where you know we're going to have a lot of the ball and we and we know this, it's just about getting the ball at the pitch it's a good idea and there's a lot of those teams to come left for City Against the bigger sides, I don't really want, you know, Bernardo Silva being our main man up against, you know, the likes of Mohamed Salah or, you know, or, or Bukayo Saka again. You know, his performance against Saka on Wednesday was woeful, but his performance against Forrest and, you know, keeping them under control, helping out Rodri was imperious. It was the old Bernardo, the Bernardo that we all love to see. And it's just, and it's great that he got a goal to top it off. Um, but it's, if City can, you know, if they just play consistently, Ruben Diaz in the lineup, Emeric Laporte at the back with him, or John Stones when he's back from his injury, and they just keep the attack fresh and keep it unpredictable, which is, I think, the best thing about City. The, the, the great City teams of the last 15 years have been 
you know, defined by their unpredictability. They've been defined by, you know, those players who can just make something happen in, in, a, in a flick of a switch. You know, David Silva was a magician, at, you know, just producing moments. Kevin De Bruyne, another one who just comes out with it. And even though he was off yesterday, it's good to see him actually just giving it a go because there's been games in, you know, the last two months where he's not where he's not taking chances and he's just, you know, stinking the place out with the odd pass that offers nothing to the team. And whether you can say that's stymied by the build-up problems we've had, who knows? But I think City City look in a good position if if they can keep that sole performance going. You know, Leipzig's going to be a tough test in midweek, but they've just got to kind of find that consistency and carry it through. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh we've We've got to just keep up that form, really, in terms of, well, I'll say form. It's not really form. I don't think we've won one more than three on the bounce this season. But we've we've got to keep up the, the dynamism that we've been showing over the last few games, regardless, again, in this case, of the results. But you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne. I want to get on to him. And that seems like a good place to stop for part one. We'll take a break. And part two, we'll come back to talk about individual performances. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, home for daily Manchester City content. This is part two. Ollie, you mentioned before the break some individual performances, mainly regarding Kevin De Bruyne. There are two in particular that I want to cover, De Bruyne himself and Edison. So we're going to start with the latter because once again, he's taken a lot of flack Personally, I don't. I wouldn't blame him for the goal, but we do seem to be lacking something that we used to have with Joe Hart, something that our neighbours over in Salford get quite often with David De Gea, uh, you know, uh, Liverpool get it with Alisson. Sometimes when they're under the cosh, saves are made that allow the team to go on, turn the game on its head and win. Are we missing that from Edison? So in some ways, yes. In some ways, no, because he tends to do. He tends to kind of produce the spectacular when he's con- when he's made a big error. You know, I think that I think the Villa game um, last week is a perfect example of that. That goal, he was like a statue. Whether he whether that was him realizing he didn't think he could get down to it or not, or you know, and he's looking at his defenders who obviously should have done better. But then he produces a number of spectacular saves that keep the game, you know, at three one. Um, so that's kind of been the thing with us. I mean, he started his City career very well, you know, that double save against Manchester United in the first derby at Old Trafford. Um, you know, 18, 19, he was imperious. And, you know, he's, I think, he's, what, three or four got Premier League golden gloves? I mean, he's, he's still a top-class keeper. It's just these mistakes and, you know, him not not reach, not going, looking like, you know, as I said, looking like a statue, it keeps happening with him. So it's just... I've, I I personally keep faith in him because I don't think there's another goalkeeper out there who can play the way he does, affect the build-up the way City want and that Pep wants, but who's on that same level, you know, as a general goalkeeper. Because I think Edison at his best is still one of the best, if not the best in the world. It's just he's going through a, a, a really rough few months and it's gone and it's gone and it's gone on for a while. And obviously the the backline doesn't help, you know. The, the, the two set, the two or three centre backs is changing every week. He can't build up a partnership like he had with, say, Vincent Company or Nicolas Otamendi or Ruben Diaz for the previous seasons because they're not always there. You know, if a goalkeeper can't be effectively no effective in his communication with his centre backs and his defenders, then he's kind of it's one hand tied behind his back already. Looking at the XG numbers, just in relation to Edison and. Uh, 
XG is good because XG is all about shots that are actually taken, right? XG is generated when a shot is taken. We've got an XG against of 22.48. We've conceded 24. So we're tracking just slightly behind on that. Now, if you compare that to United, they're basically par for the course, 28.36, 28. Arsenal, par for the course, they're better off by 0.55. The two that stick out here are, well, three that stick out actually. Newcastle, XGA, 25.56. They've conceded 15. So they're tracking 10 goals better off. Fulham, are tracking 15 goals better off. They've conceded 30. They could be expected to concede 45. Uh, Tottenham are actually tracking even worse than us. They're five goals behind them. We know that Hugo Lloris has taken his fair share of criticism. It doesn't say much for the quality of shots conceded. In Edison's defence, a lot of the shots that he does face are high-quality chances. But is that, again, perhaps indicative that what we gain from Edison in his sweeper-keeper role, we are losing from his role as the man between the sticks. Is he good enough in isolation for shot stopping? See, I mean, that is the different <laughs> question. And and, yeah. and I think that's the one that City fans ask themselves all the time. Um, well, the rational ones, at least, because there's plenty of irrational ones who just, you know, after every, you know, bad defeat or every bad kind of moment in a the game, they're like, sell them all. You know, the amount, of ed- the amount of hate tweets and, you know, shit that Edison gets online is unfair, I think. Um, but it is it is worrying, um, and I mean you can you can bring in all the caveats. You know, as you said, City face do face a higher quality of shot. We can, you know, we are notoriously you know quite good at keeping chances out, and you know we concede very very few a game. You know, Nottingham Forest, you know, perfect example: one shot on target, one goal. That has been a common problem for City for a long time, um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's just Edison. I think it's just the way we play the game. You know, so, uh, if you if you're not going to de- if the backline can't defend very well, which they weren't for that goal. They're going to concede them, but they don't concede. But they don't concede too many of them to where it's pushing us further down the table. Um, but his his numbers don't fare well. Um, if there's if there's another keeper in Europe who you know who can live up to his potential as a, as a sweep keeper and you know coming for the ball and you know producing moments that can keep you in games either with his feet or with his hands, then suggest them to suggest them to us at the city report podcast because we can happily debate it out all day <laughs> but i just don't think there's an i just don't think there's a, a alternative keeper out there who can keep him who can you know really get ahead of edison um in terms of his overall game it's yeah, just I'm, I'm you've, with you. you've got to you've got to nitpick to find the problems and mm. for every problem that people can find you can yeah, there, there is always going to be a caveat with manchester city that's just the way this team is you know, when you're trying to chase football perfection, which is what Guardiola is tr- essentially always trying to do, when you're trying to do that, it's there's always going to have to be the little nitpickers. Yeah, and that's just the way of the game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think ultimately the problem that Edison, that people are seeing in Edison, is that he doesn't make enough miracle saves, and everything else is pretty much as we'd expect at the top level. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with Eddie at the moment. I would like to see Ortega perhaps getting a start or two just to put a bit of pressure on him. But yeah. By and large, I agree. I don't think there's any others. And it's a case of be careful what you wish for. The other individual that I want to talk about, and we're speaking about him almost every week now, Kevin De Bruyne. Now, his performance yesterday, again, was largely fine in keeping with the rest of the squad. But there was something missing again. The killer ball and those sighters from 20 yards plus. 
he got every single one wrong. What's going on with KDB? What what do you make of his performance yesterday? What do we do with him going forward? Because if Bernardo's getting back on form, Foden's getting back into the team, there might be a, a route to benching him. Yeah, th- there's going to be a decision to make if his performances continue in the vein they have. You know, he put up a brilliant performance against Arsenal and it dropped off towards the end. Um, but I'm not going to... I'm not, I'm not. You can't nitpick a performance like that. Yesterday's way, you have to look at, look at him properly, because every single thing he tried just got nowhere near, and it's it's not great. And I mean, City have effectively won the league without him before, but if we're going to win the league this season, we need Kevin De Bruyne to just you know snap in to snap into it. And and we keep seeing these little signs of every kind of good ball we see him making a game like there we go the old KDB is coming back and you know that chant and that goal against Arsenal and the assist was the perfect examples of that and you're just thinking right can he carry this on can he keep it going and it just I think it's you know it's a mixture of him getting a bit older you know he's not as dynamic as he once was he's still he's pretty dynamic and he's not he's I don't think he's slowed down particularly by any means but I think the World Cup being mid-season has affected his form. You know that that would knock anyone off kilt. And for the first kind of three or four weeks after it, it was excusable almost. But it's got to a point now where he should be hitting that that vein of form. That kind of you know, look at last season. He carried us to the title. You know, what was it? A goal or an assist every single game from January, uh, pretty much. So and we're all kind of waiting for that run, and he's still capable of it. And he obviously wants it. And I mean, he's had a decent season. You know, four goals, eleven assists in the Premier League. He's no bad return for any midfielder. I think. I think he's still the leading assister by three or four. Um, so it's just, can he get back to that form where and he's fi- where he's finding Haaland easier? I hope so. But you know, if Phil Foden continues impressing. What do you then? How do you get Riyad Mahrez in the team? You know, Riyad Mahrez has been brilliant for the past couple of months since the World Cup. You know, if there's a way to get everyone in the team, then you know so, someone does have to miss out. Whether it's Bernardo, whether it's Gundogan, whether it's Kevin De Bruyne, you can't play all three of them: and Phil Foden, and Riyad Mahrez, and Jack Grealish. You know, there's going to have to be some sacrifices, and we've seen you know uh, Pep experiment with Alvarez. You know, playing him in a, in that sort of behind the striker role. And be, but being the legs for Haaland, getting in front of him. Um, Kevin De Bruyne is never going to do that. That is not what Kevin De Bruyne's job is. Um, and Pep may have to bring that system out now and again against certain teams. And if Kevin De Bruyne's form doesn't pick up, that system may have to become more dominant. Or maybe Phil Foden there in a similar sort of role. But it's just, it's disappointing because you want to see Kevin De Bruyne be the man we all know he can be. You know, be that kind of the flag bearer for Manchester City. And we're just not seeing it. It's really annoying. When you're seeing him take another shot, you know, after, I think after the third or fourth one, Roger's going, oh, come on, Kevin, just stop. Just pass the ball next time when we'd spend the entire games to every other player going, shoot, shoot. It's just frustrating as hell to watch when he's in that sort of form. Yeah, and something I said in the Arsenal review, and it's something I stand by, and it links in quite nicely here, is that City and De Bruyne tend to be a mirror of each other. When De Bruyne is firing, so are we. When he's not, we also slip and stumble. I said that if De Bruyne can pick up his form and return to the De Bruyne that we all know, I think we'll walk the title. If not, I think we're going to face some issues. I still back us to win it, but I think it's going to be a lot harder. And yesterday was almost a great example of that. If one or two of those De Bruyne shots or attempted passes 
had found the way through, would have comfortably won. And that's obviously notwithstanding the insane misses from Harlem, Foden, etc. We would benefit massively from De Bruyne returning to form, it goes without saying. But you brought also into the conversation regarding Mares and the rotation then, you know, Mares being dropped from the side yesterday. Probably about to see the return of Champions League Mares, primary ad pasta, right? We're getting into the business end of the season. This is where Mares comes up trumps in the Champions League knockout rounds. So my question here is, and it's been a discussion we've seen on Twitter, and it was asked in the City Report WhatsApp group, do we now need to start prioritising a competition? Because the way that we've operated under Pep for the last five years or so has been, we go for everything. Every season we set out to win all four. You know, you see teams like Liverpool putting out third string sides in cup competitions, um, certain rotations taking place where you don't want to say they're throwing it, but they're not prioritising. I mean, Arsenal even did it against us in the FA Cup, right? They put out a largely second string team while we went balls to the wall to go through. We put out a pretty strong eleven. Do we need to reconsider our policy of going for everything? Would it be beneficial to us if we take our foot off the gas against Leipzig and take our foot off the gas and rest certain players in our next FA Cup tie as well and prioritise the league? Or are we still a side capable of of at least trying to go all the way without ending up trophyless at the end of the season. I mean, City City are never going to subscribe to the policy of preferring trophies anyway. I'd, uh, so you know, we can sit here and discuss it. I would quite like to see them, you know, really, you know, put a put a strong team out against Leipzig. Leipzig are a great side. They're having a really good season in the Bundesliga. I think they were undefeated in about seventeen or eighteen for recent weeks. Um, so I don't think we can afford to rotate against them. And the squad, really, you can't like. Where can you rotate with this squad at the moment? Centre back. I mean, there's, there isn't a lot of depth in it at the moment. Um, you know, because and we've just got rid of Jao Cancelo, who was. You well, know, we, I mean, uh, we did just see it with the front line. You know, we've we've got options yeah. here. We could we could play De Bruyne in the Champions League and drop him out for Premier League. Keep Mares in for the Prem and perhaps play a mixture of Foden, Grealish, and Bernardo. In the chat, we we do have that rotation, not necessarily depth per position, but because of the adaptability mm. and versatility in yeah. the squad, we we are capable of rotating around that front six and the front five. And this is before we've even mentioned players like Calvin Phillips, right? Um, you know, do we rest Rodri in the Champions League and play Calvin Phillips? We we do have options there to keep certain players fresh, given the schedule that's ahead, and perhaps prioritize certain competitions. But it's a big decision to make. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to see any kind of major rotation that kind of is a bit out of kilter, it's going to be in the Bristol City game in the FA Cup, which is not this week, but the week after. Uh, so the, ne- the next midweek game after Leipzig. Um, and I think that'll be a very rotated squad. You know, as, you know, as much as we can say we try and respect whoever we're playing against, whether they're, you know, Champions League, whether, whether it's Real Madrid or whether it's, you know, a team in League Two, you know, City, they, that is a game where we're going to have to rotate in the middle of a very busy run. And I think that's where we're probably going to see the likes of Calvin Phillips and Cole Palmer, maybe even Maximo Perone. Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine Stefan Ortega is going to play that game against Bristol. But Leipzig, I think it's, you know, yeah, the one change the one change I definitely want to see is Ake coming back in. I think we're going to need Nathan Ake to, you know, shut down their wide threat in Christopher Nkunku and Dominic Zobersly and Danny Olmo. Um, and, but that'll all be talked about in the upcoming Leipzig preview. Um, but specifically um, with De Bruyne, 
I think I think you got to play him in the Champions League. I think it's bring keep bring Maris and Foden. De Bruyne come. De Bruyne stays in the team, and it's seeing if we can just get him to click. And then you know it's probably looking like he'll come out for the Premier League game, or you know maybe we'll play three in a row, and then he won't play at all in the Bristol City game. Um, it's big decisions. I'm glad I'm not the one making them. I wonder. I want to end on a positive note before we do finish, and I'm going to say the magical two words: Jack Grealish. He has been a beacon of consistency, right? He's been brilliant. He's getting his assists, albeit a simple one at the weekend. But even is is throughout the ninety minutes every week, he's he's just been a bright spark, hasn't he? He's been phenomenal. I just I I mean, we both had a big smile on our faces. You know, you mentioned Jack Jack's name. Mm-hmm. His the form he's been in since the World Cup is just unbelievable. And even in the games where he wasn't getting goals and assists. He was just going at his man. He was just being relentless, just and you know, being the player that Pep wants him to be, but also a little bit of the old Jack from Aston his Aston Villa days has come back into it. He's playing with a bit more freedom. And I think even he said that after the Arsenal game. He said, Yeah, Pep's kind of given me a bit more freedom on the pitch. Uh, because he's he's obviously earned that trust to, you know, we know he's not going to lose the ball. And if he does lose the ball, it's most likely because he's been fouled. So there's a free kick or a penalty. Um so I just love Jack. And, you know, the the way he just comes across, he, he just makes him even more lovable. But you're seeing, you know, that celebration against Arsenal where he just, you, you could tell it meant a lot to him. Um, and he's been waiting for a goal like that, a really big, important goal. He nearly had it in the derby at Old Trafford. And, that, you know, the referees took that away from us. Um, you know, that he got it at, he got it at Arsenal. Another assist against Forest, and you're just thinking, you know, Champions League. He the first goal he got in the Champions League was against Red Bull Leipzig. I think we could be in for a, another prime night of Jack Grealish on Wednesday, and I hope we are because yeah. just see, seeing him do well is a brilliant feeling. Jack Grealish stocks keep on rising and we are big portfolio holders here at City Report Podcast. That is going to wrap up the episode. We've got Leipzig previews on the way, so stay tuned. This has been the City Report Podcast. I'm Ollie Kirsch, been with Ollie Coulson, and we will see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.